Hey, hello everyone. This evening, I want to talk to you about the calorie deficit and fat loss because I know that while it's not a goal for everybody, um, it applies to everybody because at some point in your life, in this week, in this month, there may be a day where you don't take in as much energy as you need. And as a result, you are physically in what we refer to as a calorie deficit or an energy deficit. So I want to go through this evening uh, what the symptoms of this deficit are, because make no mistake, there are symptoms and it's a big misinterpretation or a big um, mistake that people make when they decide they want to drop body fat. Uh, it's a big mistake that people make to not pay attention to the fact that there are symptoms associated with being in a calorie deficit. And if you're not aware of them, you can really you can really set yourself up for um, for failure if fat loss is one of your goals. And the other thing we want to do is it's not just we don't want to just look at the physical aspect of being in a calorie deficit, but we want to look at the implications of the the emotional side of being in a calorie deficit and the the mental side of being in a calorie deficit because that is as important if not more important than the physical side so first and foremost why would anybody put themselves into a calorie deficit willingly okay well in order for us to drop body fat we must have less energy coming in than we do have going out so what i mean by that is we must eat less food than we are burning energy and by burning energy, it is doing everything from sitting on the couch, um, brushing our hair, if we, if we do that, if people sit on the couch and brush their hair, but just to give you an example, to going for a run, to going for a walk, to standing up and spending two hours on your feet uh, in your job or being physical. So any of the movements you do on a day-to-day -day basis, even sitting on the couch and just breathing are going to burn energy. Now, we've spoken before about the fact that uh, we have a resting metabolic rate, which is how much energy our body burns when we're sitting doing very little or doing nothing. And then we have our NEAT, which is our non-exercise activity thermogenesis, the energy that our body utilizes when we're doing things like being in the kitchen, cooking dinner, um, when we are uh, walking up the stairs, trying to um, you know, put kids to bed, when any of those movements that are not exercise related are our non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Then, of course, we have our exercise activity thermogenesis, which is the energy that we burn when we are exercising or when we're going out for that walk or when we're I don't know, skipping, dancing, playing tennis, riding our bikes, horse riding, whatever that may be. Also, then when we're eating food, different types of food or different macronutrients will require a certain amount of energy in order to transfer it from being the physical food that we see on our plates to the energy form that our, our body can utilize or ATP. So they're all the things that burn energy. Now, in order for us to be in a calorie deficit or in an energy deficit, the energy that we're taking in, our food, our drink, our cappuccinos, our shakes, whatever it is, has got to be less than the energy we have going out. Now, there is no way of calculating this unless we are sitting in a lab and we're measuring inspired and expired oxygen and carbon dioxide, and we can make those calculations in a lab. Now, we can make gross or rough calculations by simply utilizing formulae that have been that have been made or created by years and years of research. And that's what we do. That's how if you come to me and you say, I want to know how much energy I need every day, that's how we, we use those formulae and that's how we make those numbers or that's how we come to the conclusion of how much energy you need every day. Now, we also 
Um, I mean, it's, it is guesswork, but we also look at the changes in your body week to week. And that might be uh, changes in measurements, changes in centimeters on your thighs, on your waist, on your chest. It might be change in the scales. But again, we have to take into account the fact that the changes on the scales, that's not just body fat. So if you wake up one morning and you're 100 kilos, but you wake up the next morning, you have done nothing different when you eat your dinner and everything else and you're 101 kilos. That doesn't mean that you've suddenly put on a kilogram of body fat overnight. It might mean that you had a salty dinner. It might mean that you had uh, more carbohydrates with your dinner than you usually would have and you're retaining more water. It might mean that you're premenstrual. So that's just the recap that I'm sure all of you have heard me go through uh, over and over again in the videos in your program and in these lives that we've had. Now, why would somebody want to go into a calorie deficit? Well, the main reason, as I said, would be for fat loss. And there's lots of ways of doing it. We can reduce the energy we have coming in, which is where people restrict the food that they have coming in. And in real terms, there's lots of ways of doing that. Some of us will say, okay, uh, the typical, we'll say the typical, the typical dieters way of doing that is to say, right, I'm going to be really good this week. I'm not going to have any chocolate. I'm not going to have any crisps. I'm going to be really good. I'm going to eat really healthy. And this is a form of restriction. Okay. This element of being good. And when we get into that mindset of being good, there is always a wagon to fall off. And I know lots of you have said, I've been really good now this week, Fiona. No, 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 I'm sorry, sorry. I know you don't like to hear that. And lots of you have said, um, I totally fell off the wagon last week and then have been scrambling backwards as I gave you the evil eye. But what we do want to do is shift out of that restrictive mindset and try to avoid being in that mentality of, of being on a wagon, off a wagon, good, bad like it's it it makes it sound as though it's black or white and when it comes to food actually food is just food uh, it either satisfies us or it doesn't satisfy us it's delicious or it's not but it is most certainly not good or bad and it most certainly um you know is not on a wagon or off a wagon okay so what we could do instead is shift our mindset from that to a growth mindset and that's what we try to foster in these groups is that whole element of okay food is not bad there is no wagon but I still want to lose body fat how am I going to go about doing it okay well what are you doing currently and how can we make small changes so that you're still eating the same volume of food but you are nourishing your body more so you're providing yourself with far more nutrients um, you are more satisfied so we're we're kind of optimizing your satiety with your food, making sure you're eating foods that you really enjoy, that are delicious for you, but that you're being conscious of the foods that might be a little bit more calorie dense and you're making a conscious effort to enjoy them, but to maybe not have them for every meal. Okay, let me give you um, an example. You can have something like a tablespoon of porridge oats, versus a tablespoon of peanut butter okay so if I said to if I said to someone okay what are you going to have for your breakfast and they said oh, I'm going to have some uh, porridge with some peanut butter on top and I'd say okay so you might say okay well I want to have my peanut butter with porridge but a tablespoon of porridge oats versus a tablespoon of peanut butter 
both of them are nutritious. Both of them will give you different sets of nutrients, but one of them is very energy dense while the other one is a little bit less energy dense. The peanut butter might be more energy dense. So there might be more calories, if we put it like that, in the peanut butter and less calories in the, um, in the porridge oats. So what I might suggest in that instance is that somebody put an extra tablespoon of porridge oats in their bowl and maybe only has a, a teaspoon or a little bit less of the, um, of the peanut butter. But if you're looking to maintain satiety, and this is where it comes back to being aware of the food we're eating and being conscious of what types of food we're having, does the porridge on its own satisfy you? Is it the flavor of the peanut butter you're looking for? Can you take that peanut butter out of it altogether? Or can you reduce the portion of peanut butter you're having? And if you can do that, that's one way of reducing your energy intake. And you can, you can just revisit that with your lunch. You can revisit it with your dinner. It might be that you, um, you use Philadelphia light in your pasta sauce as opposed to regular Philadelphia. It might be that you use a lower fat cooking cream in your in your sauce for your chicken than you do um, usually. And these are small changes that you can make across your day. They're not going to have a massive impact on your satiety. They're, you're gonna still be eating the same volume of food. So you shouldn't be impacted all that much, but you can still reduce your calorie intake or your energy intake by making those little switches. Now, when we do that, we also run the risk of saying, okay, I'm going out for dinner now, but oh, what if, what if there's full fat cream in my pasta sauce? And that is definitely, if I'm going out for dinner, it's definitely not a place I want to find myself. I don't want to find myself worrying about the ingredients of the meals I'm eating. So making those switches, while on paper, mathematically, it's a great idea. We just want to be aware of the fact that we want to do it from a place of I'm making this choice because I'd like to reduce my energy intake a little bit, as opposed to I can't have full fat cream. Now I have to have half fat cream. Otherwise I've failed at my diet. Okay. And these are the subtle changes that I'm trying to instill in you guys that you can have the things you enjoy. You can have the things you love, but allowing you the opportunity because you now have the knowledge, allowing you the opportunity to make a shift in the choices you're making can often mean the difference between um, you know, creating that calorie deficit and not. So what other changes can we make? We can increase our vegetable intake. And why would we do that? Why does that make a difference? Because vegetables are nutrient dense, but they're not very calorie dense. They're not chock-a-block full with um, lots of energy, but they are chock-a-block full with things like fiber, with vitamins and minerals, and when we look at this notion of superfoods, realistically, any food that is packed with fiber, with your beta-glucans, um, it's, it's just going to be so good for you, your soluble and insoluble fibers. And again, many of you will have gone through that content in, um, in the app and what we covered on our carbohydrate week. The other thing we need to do is to make sure when we're increasing our fiber intake or our vegetable intake is to drink plenty of water because of course fiber in our guts is going to draw water into our guts and we want to avoid that because we want to make sure that we are staying well hydrated and we're, drink we're drinking, we're taking on enough water to ensure that that fiber can pass through our system um, efficiently and effectively. The other thing we need to be aware of 
is when we're in a calorie deficit, we're going to be more inclined to not only lose body fat. So when you see that number on the scale coming down, it's not that you're just losing body fat, but if the calorie deficit is ongoing for a long time, if it's maybe a little bit bigger than it should be, you do also run the risk of losing some muscle and there's no two ways about it. If you're in a continuous calorie deficit, it is likely that you will lose a bit of muscle as well if your energy balance is, if you're in negative energy balance. So the option there is to make sure that you have um, an adequate protein intake so that, again, something we've covered in, in depth is that you maintain a good protein intake uh, throughout the course of your calorie deficit. The other thing to mention is that you don't have to be in a calorie deficit every single day or every single week of a program. And for many of you, what I would recommend is that we look at, and you will come to that week where we discuss periodization, but for many of you, I would recommend, and I often do recommend, that in the week before your period or the week, uh, the couple of days leading up to your period, the day of your period, that, or the week of your period, that you increase your energy intake or you increase your calorie intake to ensure that you're sitting at maintenance as opposed to being in a deficit. Because again, if you're in a deficit, we look at the symptoms of a deficit and one of the top ones is hunger. And especially, we all know that the week before a period or the couple of days before it or the week of, hunger is increased. And that's usually as a result of the fact that our metabolic rate has increased and we are just craving chocolate we're craving more energy we're craving more food and we seem to have that insatiable hunger um put up your hands if you've never had it i'd say no one in their room has their hands up you know so what i recommend in those couple of weeks is going back to maintenance making sure you are serving the needs of your body making sure you're comfortable and this is why i recommend to people that they um if they're keeping a journal that you journal hunger that if you are in what you think is a calorie deficit and you're saying, God, this is amazing. I'm not hungry at all. It's not likely that that calorie deficit is very big. And that's exactly the way you want to keep it. If you find yourself day after day feeling hungry, 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 you need to reassess that deficit and see, okay, right, what do I need to do to increase my nutrition, increase the volume of my food, and potentially sometimes increase your calorie intake or increase your energy intake so that the deficit isn't too big. Other symptoms of a calorie deficit include headaches. Okay, if your calorie deficit is very big, headaches are a horrible, horrible side effect when you're hungry all the time. Hanger, of course, you're going to get that shift in mood if your calorie deficit is too big. If it's what I like to do is I like to keep it to about 10 to 15% of somebody's overall energy intake. That's not too huge. It allows you small, consistent changes. It doesn't allow you the totally transformed body that you're looking for in six weeks, but it is something that you can achieve over a longer period of time. It is more sustainable and it doesn't set up that whole negative spiral of restrictive mindset um, that a larger calorie deficit would. The other thing, of course, is fatigue. I've mentioned muscle loss. And if your calorie deficit is held over a longer period of time and it's sustained over a longer period of time, your risk of injury is going to go up as well. If you're losing muscle, your risk of injury is much, much higher. So if you're involved in sports, if you're involved in running, in cycling, in, in walking, anything at all like that, again, if you're coming to a period of higher intensity training, sometimes, and I find it with some of my, my athletes, 
I physically can't get enough calories into them. And you can see their weight coming down and you're going, oh my God, you know, we've got to try and get in more energy dense foods here. That's where the peanut butter comes in. That's where the, the chocolate spread comes in. We're trying to get in those energy dense foods. So to kind of tie it up in a bow, I mean, it's a question I've had and I, I'm sure many of you watching this will kind of go, okay, yeah, I know Fiona, you're, you're not the type of person, you're not the type of coach who wants to really hammer home. This is what you have to do to drop body fat. But I think many coaches aren't honest about this side of a calorie deficit. And many coaches will go, yeah, sure, no problem. Let's, let's get it done. Yeah, we can, we can get you down a stone in, in you know, six weeks or whatever. And I think it's really disingenuous to imply that this is going to be an easy path because it really is not. And having been in a position where I was involved in a very aesthetic sport for a while in the shape of bodybuilding, I know what long-term restriction over the course of 16 weeks, what long-term restriction looks like, what it feels like on the quest for that six pack. And truth be told, there were some women in competition with me who had the most fantastically curvy bums, who had much bigger thighs than I did, who held a lot more body fat than I did. I got very, very lean. And by Jesus, no matter how lean I was, I all these visible muscles and everything no matter how lean I was I never saw that visible six-pack that that seems to be this pinnacle of oh you know you're healthy you know you've made it if you've got a six-pack it's not realistic for all women and it definitely should not be the goal that we're aiming for if we're looking for health if we're looking to drop body fat we forget because I suppose when we stand and we look in the mirror it seems to be, it's, it's our center mass. It seems to be the most obvious thing that we look at first is our tummies. We forget about how strong we've become. We forget about how well we're nourishing our bodies. And we seem to set our sights on this idea of a perfect form that we see on the front of fitness magazines or the front of, um, I don't know, whatever magazine we're looking at, whatever bodies we are seeing in social media. Um, and it's not realistic. That's not what everybody looks like it might be the you know the this this do I call it the upper echelon or do I just call it this fraction of one or two percent of female bodies in the world probably closer to one or under uh, it's not realistic and while you can say okay yeah calorie deficit I want to get leaner I want to do a b and c you cannot say by applying numbers that at the end of that term, you are going to look a certain way. So if you say to me, um, okay, Fiona, I want to drop one stone or I want to drop five kilos or I want to drop 10 kilos. And at the end of losing that 10 kilos, unless you are in the gym three, four or five days a week, in the gym, training at home, whatever, um, you know, lifting weights, sculpting, you have no idea how those numbers or that loss of number is going to reflect in the mirror what your body is going to look like and that's something you have to be really really honest about now if you're going to be realistic about it you can say okay here's the thing I want to drop body fat I want to fit into my clothes a little bit better I want to lose some of my tummy I want to lose um, some of the the weight that I gained during COVID I want to lose some of the weight that I've gained over the last three or four years of being in a really busy, stressful job, whatever it may be. That's totally achievable. But rather than your focus being on, 
I want to lose the weight, which is a negative mindset. It is a, and I don't say, I don't mean negative, like a bad negative. I mean, it is a restrictive mindset. It is a, you're only winning if you're losing mindset versus, okay, how can I make some lifestyle changes that I'm going to stick with? What tiny, tiny changes can I make that I know I'm going to be able to stick with, that I know I'm going to be able to instill one day a week, five days a week, seven days a week. And those tiny changes might be every single morning when I get up, I'm going to lie on my bedroom floor and I'm going to do 10 pelvic tilts and I'm going to do uh, three sets of scissors because I need to increase the strength in my core. That's going to take me five minutes. Every single day when I get up, I'm going to go up and down the stairs five times because I want to improve the strength in my legs. Every single day, I'm going to make an effort to walk five minutes out my driveway and five minutes back to increase my step count because I want to increase that differential in energy so that I can drop some body fat. It might be that body dropping body fat is the end goal. It might be that body dropping body fat is something that you want to attain. But rather than looking at that as your primary goal, if you look at the positive, if you create a growth mindset and you say, I'm going to get fitter, I'm going to get stronger, I'm going to be more nourished, I'm going to feel better, I'm going to be better rested because I'm going to improve my quality of sleep. Going about it all these ways is more of a growth mindset versus a restriction mindset. So I hope this has been very honest for you and I hope that it's given you um, something to think about in terms of creating that calorie deficit. There are ways to go about doing it and there are ways to do it that are going to offer you better long-term health without creating that restriction mindset, without you suffering all of those side effects and symptoms that we spoke about, you know, the hunger, the fatigue, the headaches, the hair loss or hair thinning, um, poor skin condition, uh, risk of injury, hypothalamic amenorrhea, so the loss of periods. And again, I would see it quite frequently in the athletic community, whereby that big calorie deficit is always there in the background. Damage to your hormone profile. You know, if you start seeing fluctuations in your thyroid function, this can be another side effect of an ongoing calorie deficit. So it is something to be mindful of. And allowing yourself to periodize that deficit, having more food around the time of your period, allowing yourself the opportunity to come back to maintenance around the time of your period is you being kind to yourself and looking after your body. It might mean slower achieving. It might mean that you're, you're, you've got a slower time frame or a longer time frame in achieving your results. But let me promise you, it is the better way to do it for your health and for your body overall. I hope this episode has been informative for you. And I just want to say I'm not pro or anti-diet. I am not pro, you must have a calorie deficit all the time. I'm not anti, uh, you know, you, you should never have a calorie deficit. What I am pro is empowering women to make decisions for themselves. And I think it's important that we acknowledge the fact that every woman has the right to say, you know, I feel uncomfortable in, in this aspect of my, my body or I feel uncomfortable not being able to uh, do a certain thing or, or take part in a certain sport because I feel uncomfortable doing it. And we should acknowledge the fact that we should never be judging anybody based on their body shape, based on their body type, based on how much fat they have. 
whether they have healthy habits or unhealthy habits. But the fact of the matter is this information with regards to calorie deficits and how to drop body fat should be available to everybody because if they want to make that choice, they should know the realities of a calorie deficit. They should know how to do it safely or how to create a deficit safely. And the fact that it needs to be periodized, you don't live your entire life in a calorie deficit. Nobody should live their entire life in a dieting phase. And if you want help creating uh, a a positive approach to food and a positive approach to changing your mentality around food, you know where I am, fionaodonnell.ie or get me on Instagram at fionaodonnell.ie on Facebook, Fiona O'Donnell MSC. And I'd love to hear from you. I hope you enjoyed this first episode of the Just Run With It podcast. We will be back with more next week. 